I'm going to ask you once again to turn the passage that we read together earlier, uh, the book of the Revelation, if you turn there, Revelation chapter 1. What a strange Easter this is. What a strange Easter for millions of believers on this Easter, our churches are empty. Our churches are empty. But still, it is a wonderful Easter. It is a wonderful Easter. Because even though most of our churches are empty, our hearts are full. Because His tomb is empty. The worship on Easter for the followers of the Lord is always full because his tomb is empty. No matter the trials, that, my friend, is the truth, the absolute truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And the coronavirus cannot infect and it cannot weaken our praise, our praise to Corona Victus, the one who wears the crown, the one who is the victor, because he has overcome sin, death, Hades, and he's alive forevermore. Yes, in a time of coronavirus, we worship this Easter Sunday, Corona Victus, the mighty conqueror, Jesus Christ. And that living Christ illumines all our darkness. Just as he illuminated the cave of the Apostle John, who was imprisoned on the island of Patmos, sent there because of his faithfulness and his testimony for Jesus Christ, sent there as an old man in his 80s, the emperor believing that he was done with him. This man's ministry was over and he would just be worked to death in the mines of Patmos. But that was not the case. Perhaps the greatest ministry of that Apostle John was granted to him when he wrote the words contained in our Bibles in the book of the Revelation. He was imprisoned. He was in a cave. But his cave was illumined when he saw his master who was the conqueror of death. And I do pray that by the Spirit's grace today, we will see him afresh and anew this Easter Sunday morning. We will see him the one who is 
the conqueror of death. Now, when he manifested himself to John, how different he appeared. How different he appeared. Notice, he appears to John as the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. We're told John's response when he saw his beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus, but saw him as the Lord of glory. We're told that he fell at his feet as though he were dead. That's his own testimony. Verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, how amazing that is. This is the apostle John. This is the disciple closest to Jesus. This is the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. This is the disciple who is called of all the disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is the disciple so close to Jesus that in Jesus' dying moments, he gave over the care of his mother to this man, John. John knew Jesus. He really knew Jesus, yet in his presence, when John saw him in all of his glory, he collapsed like a dead man. Now why? Why did that happen? Two reasons. First, when John saw Jesus that day in all of his glory, he saw unveiled deity. Unveiled deity. That word unveiled is important. It actually is the meaning of the word revelation. We have the book in our Bibles, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation means the unveiling. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And here, Jesus Christ is unveiled in all of his glory to the closest of his disciples. And when John sees him, he sees him as having eyes shining with the fire of omniscience. He sees him and hears him with a voice that is resounding with the power of omnipotence. He sees him having hair, not brown as a young man, but gleaming white with the years of eternity. John sees him with feet that are blazing with the purity of justice. You see, my friends, the veil of time and space has been lifted and John is looking upon, John is looking upon the great I am, the Lord of glory, the Prince of life. John falls down in his presence like one who is dead. 
because he sees him in his unveiled deity. But John also sees something else. Not only Jesus in his unveiled deity, but John sees himself in his unworthy humanity. He collapses before unveiled deity because he sees himself and his unworthy humanity. Now remember, John is in his late 80s. He is a good man, none better than John. He is a godly man who loves the Lord Jesus with all his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. He has been a faithful servant of Jesus for at least 65 years since the days of his youth. But before the risen Lord of glory, John is so overcome by the consciousness of his own insignificance and the awareness of his own sinfulness that he falls at the feet of Jesus like a dead man. This is an amazing thing, my friends, in the Bible. Truly an amazing thing. That those who knew the Lord most intimately have the same response when they actually see him in his majesty. Think about it with me for a moment. People like Daniel. Daniel, when he saw the Son of Man, he said all his strength left him and he fell face down in his presence. When Isaiah saw the Lord of glory, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So said Isaiah when he saw the Lord. Elijah, the great prophet, even when he heard the whispering voice of Jehovah in that cave, he wrapped himself in a cloak and covered his face in the presence of just the whisper of the voice of God. Abraham, who was the friend of the Lord in the Lord's presence, said this, Who am I but dust and ashes? And Peter the leader of the disciples, when he recognized the Lord of glory in that fishing boat, fell at his feet and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Think of that. The people that knew the Lord best fell down in his presence. It reminds me of a quote that I heard once, a saying of some of the wheat farmers in the Midwest of our country. And they have a habit of saying this, listen carefully, the head of wheat that is the fullest 
bends the lowest. The head of wheat that is the fullest bends the lowest. And my friend, the mind that is the fullest of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ will bend very low in his presence. The person who truly knows Christ knows him for who he is and also knows his own place. The person who truly knows the Lord Jesus Christ knows that his place is a place of humility, a place of worship, a place of adoration, and only one place do we belong, and that is at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And brothers and sisters, may that be our place. If it has not been our place recently, may it be our place this morning that we come once again humbly before the Lord of glory. Jesus Christ. John, after 60 years, once again came face to face. It had been 60 years since he'd seen Jesus. He came face to face with his Lord, the Lord of glory, and he fell at his feet as dead. But then, but then, one of the most beautiful, one of the most touching things, I believe, recorded anywhere in Scripture took place. While this old gray-haired man was bowed like dead one before the feet of the Lord of glory, verse 17 says this, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Gray-headed old John is lying prostrate before the Lord. And then he feels a touch. It's a touch that he has not felt in over 60 years. But it is a familiar touch to every fiber of his being. It is the touch of his master's hand. He remembers that touch. And he hears a voice. And yes, it is a majestic voice. But in its majesty, it is warm. And gentle. It is the voice that he remembers. And the voice says to him, Fear not. What a wonderful truth that is, my friend. And here is the truth it's a truth for us to claim today that our Savior Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. He is the risen one, but he is also the Lord of grace. The Lord of glory is the Lord of 
grace. Fear not, is what he said. Fear not was the message of the Lord of glory. Fear not. You know what those words told John? They told him something he needed to know so desperately. That the sovereign Lord Jesus was the same Lord Jesus. The sovereign Lord Jesus was the same Lord Jesus. He was still the same. And my friends, the Jesus we read about in the Gospels, he is still the same. He has not changed. Yes, he has changed in the outward display of his glory, but his nature has not changed. His identity has not changed. And thank God his heart has not changed. He is still the same. His hands that hold the stars, and they do. His hands hold the stars are the same hands that touched the leper. His hands are the same hands that bless the children. And his hands that are omnipotent are nail scarred. The same hands that were nailed to the cross for you and me. His eyes, they do flame with omniscience, but they're the same eyes that wept over Jerusalem and the eyes that tenderly looked upon his disciples. His feet that are like fiery brass, we're told, are the same feet that staggered and stumbled up the hill of Calvary. He is still the same. My friends, he is still the same Lord Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God for that. And his message is still the same. It's still the same to us as it was to John on the island of Patmos. Fear not. Fear not. What a great and wonderful word for us on this Easter of all Easter's. Maybe we've ever experienced. Fear not. We do not need to fear life. We do not need to fear life because he says, I am he that lives forever. I'm alive forevermore. As Christians, we don't have to be overcome with fear in life because our master is the one who overcame death and lives forever. And he tells us, fear not, fear not. His everlasting arms protect us. His everlasting presence pacifies our troubled hearts. And his everlasting intercession before his Father pleads for us. Even now, 
We, not, we need not fear life. And we also do not have to fear death. We do not have to fear death. Why? Look at verse 18. Jesus said to John, fear not. I have the keys of death and Hades. I have the keys of death and Hades. The key is a symbol of authority. The symbol of authority. Jesus is saying, I have authority over death. He has authority over death because he conquered death. He is Corona Victus. He conquered death by his resurrection. And he took away the key from the prince of death, Satan. And for us who are his followers, the door of death holds no fear because the master holds the key to that door of death. And he says, fear not. We do not have to fear life. We do not have to fear death. And praise God, because of the Lord Jesus, we do not have to fear eternity. We do not have to fear eternity. What did Jesus say? I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades in the Bible is the dwelling place of the spirits of those who have died. That's what Hades is. It is the dwelling place of the spirits of those who have died. And Jesus, by his resurrection, opened the door of eternity to give eternal life to all who would trust in him. And because he has the keys of Hades, we can claim the promise of the Apostle Paul who said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul also said, when we die or when Jesus comes for us, we shall ever be with the Lord. On Monday of this week, I stood by my wife, Susan, as she held the hand of her younger sister, Carol. Just 59 years of age, but losing the battle to a terrible illness, she took her last breath here on earth. I watched her. Susan held her. She took her last breath on earth, but her next breath was in heaven, in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because her faith and her trust was in Jesus Christ. She knew him, and she simply in that moment, was absent from that disease-ridden body. And she was immediately present with the Lord. And she's there today. Thank God. Why do we know that? Because Jesus holds the key. And he says, fear not. 
Those are keys of deliverance. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Those are the keys of deliverance. And that should fill the heart of every single believer today with great hope and great confidence. But my friend, listen carefully. If you have not been born again, if you have not turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ and experienced the new birth, those keys that are in the hands of Jesus are not the keys of your deliverance. They are the keys of your doom. The key in Jesus' hand that unlocks the door to eternal life, that same key locks the door to eternal doom for those who reject him. Years ago, in a prison, a warden walked into a cell block. He walked down the cell block with a key in his hand. And he stood before an inmate behind that barred and locked door. And to that criminal, that warden looked like an angel. Because he opened the key to his, with a key, he opened his cell door and it was the day of his freedom. And the man was set free. About an hour later, the same warden came into the same cell block, carrying the same key. And he stood before the cell door of another convicted criminal. And to that criminal, the warden looked like the angel of death. Because with that key, he would open the door and lead him to his execution. Same warden, same cell block, the same key. To one, open the door of freedom. To the other, the door to execution. My friend, listen carefully. This same Jesus that we read about this morning, this same Jesus who is the liberator to all who accept him, thank God, he is the liberator to all who accept him. This same Jesus is, the Bible says, the executioner to all who reject him and the door of eternity that will close behind them forever will keep them from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his joy forever in a place of eternal doom and punishment. Which will Jesus be for you? Will he be your liberator or will he be your executioner? You say, can you really know how many times I have been asked that over the years in ministry? 
Sam, can you really know? And I can tell you absolutely. You can know that Jesus is your liberator. And that he has opened the door to freedom for you now and forever. You can know that and you do not have to take the word. You do not have to take the promise of a preacher. You can take the promise of a prisoner to a jailer. You say, Sam, what are you talking about? I am sharing with you what the prisoner, the Apostle Paul, said to the jailer at midnight in Philippi. When the jailer fell on his knees saying, what must I do to be saved? And that prisoner who was free in Christ said to that jailer who was in the jail of his sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And my friend, that is the promise of our living Lord, our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. That if you today, yes, today, if you will turn from your sin and today you will trust only in the merit of Jesus Christ who took your place, who died for you, who rose again, if you will put your trust totally in him today, he will set you free. And when that son of God sets you free, my friend, then you are a free man or a free woman forever and ever. Oh, may this be the day of your freedom. Today, he holds the keys. He holds the keys. And the door of eternal life is open. And the Bible says, and ends with this promise, the promise of the Lord Jesus, whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. The door is open. Jesus holds the key. He is Corona Victus. He wears the victor's crown and he is victorious over death and Hades. And his victory is your victory. If you are trusting in him today. And our hope is in Christ alone. In Christ alone. 